And he said to them, which of you has a friend who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, do not bother me. The door is now shut and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. And I tell you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives, and the one who seeks, finds. And through the one who knocks, it will be opened. What a father among you If his son asks for fish, will instead of fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Luke 11, 5 through 13. You can sit. Father God, I am so grateful for what you're doing in our church family. I thank you, Lord, that you are drawing us together, teaching us about who you are, teaching us what it is to live in light of the love that you have shown us and to love one another, to be a family. Lord, we remember the many families that are grieving in their hearts this weekend as their loved ones did not return from fields of battle. Lord God, I pray that you would be their comfort and that you would be their peace. Children's Children that don't have a father or mother right now because they didn't come home. Aunts and uncles, grandmas and grandpas, moms and dads and brothers and sisters. And Lord God, I just pray that the Holy Spirit would be the comforter to those people. Lord God, thank you for your love and your grace and your mercy you just lavish upon us. I thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray, and by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I just want to formally thank Nigel, too, for stepping in last week and doing a great job of introducing the idea of the presence of the Holy Spirit from Genesis to Revelation. Before we get going too far, if you need a Bible this morning, you're going to want to dive in with us in the Word of God. So if you need a Bible, raise your hand, and Glenn will hand one to you. Um, We got one over there. Your your wife is raising her hand over there, so you might want to make sure you get her one. Um, uh, But uh, I listened to the message, and and Nigel did a great job, and and I gave him a pretty daunting task. You should really feel bad for Nigel. That's twice now I've... uh, made him introduce series for us, and that's pretty, 
pretty significant task for us to do. And he's done such a great job. But listening to the message, you drank from a fire hose for an hour, didn't you? Yeah, did y'all feel a little overwhelmed last week as you listened to Nigel? You're like, wow, maybe you didn't know that the Holy Spirit was so prevalent across all of Scripture. It was so wonderful. And I hopefully hope to not make you uh, so inundated with information this morning, but we do have some really serious things that I want us to, to speak on this morning. One of the things that I realized um, in seminary was people have strong opinions on certain things. Um, I was privileged to go to a seminary that was a non-denominational seminary. And so we had people from all walks of life going there, Lutherans, Presbyterians, Baptists, um, you know, wide variety of non-denominational guys, Bible church guys, all from different backgrounds, um, assemblies of God. So we had a big spectrum of folks coming together and learning, which which made lunchtime very interesting. Because we'd sit down at lunch and we'd walk out of a systematic theology class or we'd walk out of a, a Bible class and we'd sit down and we'd begin to hash this out together. And, and, and you'd always, it'd be interesting, we'd begin the discussion and all of a sudden somebody, we'd hit a hot topic for somebody because their whole body language would change. Arms would cross, they'd lean back, they'd push away from the table, or they'd do the opposite, they'd lean in, sometimes almost fully onto the table, like, I have something important to say at this moment. And you know, I remember I had one of those moments in my lifetime that was very, very, very significant. And it was back actually when I was attending Bible school, working on my bachelor's degree in biblical studies. Went out to lunch with some, some guys who had, we had some differing opinions on a certain theological topic. And as we were discussing this topic, I became that guy who was leaning in onto the table and getting very loud at a good old super salad. How many of y'all know what a super salad are? Yeah. We have those in Texas, right? And then in the Midwest. And, and so we're at a super salad, and I'm beginning to rise up and get very angry. And, and my friend across from me, he's like, looks at me, goes, Scott, are you okay? Like, what do you mean? He's like, look at yourself. You're like, you're really worked up. You're really angry right now. He goes, do you know why you're so angry? Well, because you don't believe the right way. He goes, no, I don't think so. I think the reason you're really angry right now is because you don't know what you believe. And you feel threatened right now. And you forget that I love you. And that we may disagree on this topic, but we're both going to heaven because this isn't one of those topics that defines our salvation. That was at a crucial point in my life in realizing the need for me to humbly approach theology and the study of God and the scriptures to learn from the word of God and not take my views and impose them upon the word of God and make the word of God say what I wanted to say. I'm going to challenge us this morning that over the next few weeks as we study the Holy Spirit, that we would approach the scriptures with a humility, that we have all been taught things regarding the Holy Spirit, a lot of different things. But I would ask us to approach the Word of God and hear what the Word of God has to say about the Holy Spirit and let us be informed by the Word of God and let the Holy Spirit teach us from the Word. And that's going to take 
some, some humility on our part to, to let go of some things. Because you may hear us say some things and you're going to want to rise up and lean into that table and be like, wait a minute, Scott. And if you want to, I want to answer great questions and I want to have conversations with some people. So if you have questions during this time, please, 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 please ask. Last week, Nigel said that we have a desperate need for the Holy Spirit. And he said it quite plainly that none of us in this room could be Christ followers apart from the Holy Spirit. But our need for the Holy Spirit does not end at the time that we come to salvation in Jesus Christ. I will argue with you and contend with you that you cannot continue to know Jesus apart from the Holy Spirit. It is the Holy Spirit who teaches us about our Lord and Savior. So if we're going to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, that knowledge, that growth has to be led by the Holy Spirit. Has to be. For apart from the Holy Spirit, we cannot know the Father or know the Son. So it's essential for us to understand and learn then, then who is the third person of the Trinity? A father, we can wrap our mind about what a father is. We have an earthly representative of that. We can at least grapple with that. Jesus Christ came down and became, you know, the Son of Man became fully God, fully man. And he dwelt amongst us. We went to the cross. And so we can wrap our minds a little bit around who Jesus is. But this, this Holy Spirit, that's like, like beyond our comprehension. It's, it's, it's like this... this this person of God, that the role of God that is so hard for us to grasp and wrestle with. And I think this morning that there are some things that we need to wrestle with as we start looking at the Holy Spirit. The first is, I think we need to talk about some of the fears that we have regarding the Holy Spirit and why we've opted not to really dive into the study of the Holy Spirit. Turn in your Bibles, if you will, to 2 Timothy. And 2 Timothy is towards the back end of your Bible. It's before the book of Hebrews. And so if you hit Hebrews, you're going to come back just a little bit. And we're going to be at 2 Timothy 1.7. And this verse is kind of a, is a significant verse in our family because there was a time where in which Elijah was really struggling with some deep fear. And so... Elijah began to memorize this verse, and we began to say this verse a lot together as a family, and it means a lot of meaning for us. 2 Timothy 1, verse 7, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and self-control. Now, what's very interesting about this word fear that is used here in the original language, it is only used once in all the Bible right here. Usually the term when you see fear is this, this term phobos that is used. But here it's a different term. And with this term, when you look it up and you look at extra biblical literature on how this term was used, it comes with this idea of a crippling, paralyzing fear. That God did not give us a spirit that ceases us or keeps us from following and after him and pursuing after him. That fear that paralyzes us and keeps us from understanding who the Holy Spirit is, that's not 
from God. And so this morning, we want to openly rebuke any fear that we might have from studying the Holy Spirit. And some of those fears that we might have is fear of other Christians. I have grown up in the church since I was young, and the Holy Spirit has been a hot topic. It has split churches. It has, got, it has caused pastors to be fired. I've watched a pastor, he grew up, and as he grew up in his understanding and knowledge of Scripture, he tended to become a little bit more charismatic in the understanding of the role of the Holy Spirit, and he was fired from his church for getting too, too weird. And so one of the reasons I think that we fear studying the Holy Spirit is that we don't want to be ostracized from, from other Christians. But rather, we should rejoice as we study the Holy Scriptures together and God teaches and reveals about the Holy Spirit to us. And like Nigel said last week, he did a great job of setting up that right perimeter and that left perimeter. And since it's Memorial Day weekend, I find it appropriate. You know, it's like going to the gun range. In the military, when you go to the range, they tell you from the tower, identify your left perimeter, identify your right perimeter, identify your lane, Ready? Fire. Okay? Why is it so important to identify the, right lim- the left limit and the right limit? Because stray bullets over in this direction is bad. Right? People get hurt. People get dead. Well, guess what? Nigel did a great job of last week saying, you know what? This is what the Bible's saying about the Spirit here. This is what the Bible's saying about the Spirit here. Let's stay within those boundaries, but allow some freedom. Let's allow some liberality, if you will. I know that that term's gotten bad, but allow some some looseness and understanding and let's dive into the word of God and allow people to land in some different places within those safe zones to study the Holy Spirit. I can tell you right here in this room, there are different views and opinions on understanding the roles of the Holy Spirit, the giftings of the Holy Spirit. And to me, that's not a problem. That's beautiful. That's exciting. Another reason that we would have fear of studying the Holy Spirit is fear of being wrong. Now, I know that's none of us in this room, right? Nobody has a fear of being wrong, right? Come on. I got some type A personalities in here. They're like, no, I won't be wrong, right? And, and so we are afraid of studying the Word of God about the Holy Spirit, for what the Word of God says, because, hey, I've already, I've already determined what I believe. You know, I had a really brilliant, brilliant professor in biblical studies. He was, we were going through the book of 1 Corinthians, and he graduated with his doctorates um, in a THD doctorate, okay? That's, that's brilliant, okay? THD doctorate is a very smart individual, okay? And he'd approach a text, and he'd say, you know, I'm 60-40 on this text. 60% sure that I have got this all figured out and that I'm right, but 40% that if, a, if someone came along with a good biblical argument why this is wrong, I would have to listen, and they could possibly dissuade me. Now, I'm going to guarantee you, nobody in this room, including myself, has studied the Word of God to the depth that he did. And for him to approach the Word of God with such humility is a beautiful, beautiful thing. And he's saying, I can be wrong. Brothers and sisters, the grace of God says we can be wrong. 
It's when we refuse to be wrong, when we refuse to study the word of God for what, that we don't get to experience the grace of God. So, so let's, let's be honest. Let's, let's have great conversations. Let's, let's study this. Another thing that for fear of studying the Holy Spirit is a fear of nothing happening. How many of you asked God for something and, not, and you felt nothing happened? I have. I've prayed for things. You know, I prayed my sister wouldn't die of cancer, but she did. I prayed for a healing for her, and God chose her to heal in a way that wasn't in my plan. And so sometimes we're afraid of of going to the Father and saying, Father, pour out your spirit on me. Because we're afraid that maybe he won't answer that prayer. I want you to understand today that the Father delights to give his children good gifts. Another reason for not studying the Spirit is fear of getting what we asked for. You're like, what? What does that mean? Maybe some of us need to be honest with ourselves this morning. They're like, hey, if I pray for God to re- like, fill me with the Spirit and the Spirit challenges me to go to someplace I don't want to go, I'd rather not know. I'd just rather not know. Plead innocent, right? I, I didn't know, God, you wanted me to go over there and, and serve God. I didn't know you wanted me to talk to my neighbor. I didn't know you wanted me to, to leave Washington and leave the safety of my job and pursue, pursue you over there. I didn't know that. And, and, and as long as I don't know it, then I don't have to respond to it. So if I don't pray for it and ask it, then I don't. Brothers and sisters, we have a good father who gives us good gifts and he desires to grow us and mature us in him. We forget God calls us to worship him and delight in him. The fear of reputation. Oh, man, those guys who study the Holy Spirit, those are some weird individuals. They like to clap. Some of them like to actually move their feet when listening to Christian music. Scary stuff. You know, some of them wave flags. Some of them speak in tongues. Some of them, they, they, they cover the gamut. And you're like, whoa. I don't want to get labeled some kind of weirdo, Christian weirdo. So I'm not going to study the Holy Spirit, you know. Father, Jesus, that seems to be a pretty safe realm. The Holy Spirit, it's a bridge too far. I'm good. Brothers and sisters, you can't know the Father and you can't know the Son apart from the Spirit. So your relationship with God is going to be stymied and stuffed into a box. If we don't study the Spirit, the role of the Spirit in our lives. And let's be honest, today's world reputations are here today, gone tomorrow. But I think if we deep down desire, look in our hearts, that we desire to be Jesus pursuers. But we cannot be Jesus pursuers apart from being led by the Spirit. And finally, Maybe there's a fear of the unknown. Some of you in this room may have never studied the Holy Spirit or new to the faith. And maybe some of you are visiting with us this morning and you don't even, this whole Holy Spirit triune God thing is really weird. And maybe it's one of the reasons you're like, yeah, I've kept Christianity in arm's distance. But let me tell you something this morning that a Christian, a Christ follower, is indwelt by God 
And that is the most amazing, mind-blowing thing you can begin to think about. That being a Jesus follower means that we have the very presence of God in us to lead us, to guide us, to encourage us, to strengthen us. And it is beautiful, it is wonderful, and it is amazing. And let me tell you what, I had asked that you not be afraid of the unknown, but rather begin to study and research. And, and the best place for us to study this together is in smaller settings. Like on a Sunday morning, you may have questions right where you're sitting right now popping up in your head. And you're like, where am I going to get this chance to answer those questions? In smaller settings, we call them life groups here at Livingstone. And if you want more information about that, get with Tammy, myself. We'd love to get you some more information regarding those so we can have great conversations about the Spirit and begin to confess some of these fears that we have about studying Him. My desire this morning in looking at Luke chapter 11, and so you may be in 2 Timothy, let's turn back to Luke chapter 11. I want to focus in specifically on the portion of this passage here in Luke chapter 11, verse 11. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Any, any dads like playing practical jokes on their kids? Right. Just in case you're wondering, this is a practical joke too far, okay? This is bad. You're, you're like, a good father would never do that. A good father would never, when asking for food, giving something that would kill him. Or, or give him an, instead of giving an egg, would give him a scorpion. But listen to some of those fears, and as we go through some of those fears, we begin to identify God as one who, when we ask for something good, gives us something that we feel is bad for us. And maybe this morning, one of the things that we need to confess is our under, this horrible understanding of the Father, that we're afraid of God. We're afraid of the Father. We're afraid of, of the Father because we're like, man, if I ask him for this, he's not going to give me that. He's going to give me something that's going to torture me. Are you kidding me? He gave us Jesus Christ, his son. He, give us, he gives us things that I promise you are for his glory and for our good. And so we do not fear going to the Father with our requests. Verse 13, if then, who are evil, how much, if you then, excuse me, who are evil, how to give good gifts to your children, know how to give good gifts to your children. So listen, Jesus is making a great statement here. We're, we're, we're a bunch of fallen sinners, amen? Amen, in the need of the, des in desperately in the need of grace of God. And so how many of you have, have like, ever given your child a gift that they really didn't want, right? right? I've done that. I, Elijah, I have to pick up my son Elijah for a second. He's picky about his clothing. Some of you are like, ah, uh, really? Yes, he's picky about his clothing, right? And I have given gifts to my son and we're in which he looks, opens them up and he's like, yeah, did we keep the receipt? <laughs> right? And, and, and so... One of those things here, but we have a father who gives us exactly what we need. And he's saying here, you are a bunch of fallen people and you, you know how to give good gifts to your kids and you're a bunch of fallen people. How much more than the perfect father 
knows exactly what we need to have in giving us the Holy Spirit. We have a good God. And we don't need to look elsewhere. And this good God should alleviate those crippling fears that we have in studying of the Holy Spirit. He gives us the very best. John 14, 28, Nigel spoke about this passage last week. If we love Jesus, we rejoice that he is with the Father and we have the Spirit. I don't know if we really grasp that verse, that if we really get that Jesus said, I've got to go away so the Spirit will come because this is of your benefit. This is for your good. Brothers and sisters, we should rejoice. Jesus ain't here. He's just next to the seat at the right hand of the Father in heaven, interceding on our behalf. Who indwells us? The Holy Spirit. Because the Spirit leads us in our understanding of what it is to grow up in in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We should rejoice that we've been given the Holy Spirit. We should rejoice in the fact that we get to grow in the knowledge of Him. Also in John 14, 26... We've got to realize that we cannot know Jesus and the Father apart from the Spirit. As amazing as Pentecost was, as I was talking with John this morning, there's also this really sad part about it when the Holy Spirit came down and was upon the disciples and they began to speak in these myriad of different languages and people heard them in their own tongues and their own voices. When that happened... Jeremiah 31 was fulfilled. I will write the law upon their hearts. And let me tell you what, the Jewish people should have gone nuts. Are you kidding me? This is amazing. Oh, this is Jeremiah 31 being fulfilled right before us. We were wrong. Jesus was the Messiah. They should have been going crazy. It should have been gangbusters. Jeremiah 31 fulfilled right before their eyes, that they can begin to understand who God is because the Spirit has been poured into those who believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. But instead, religiosity continued to rule the day for many Jews. So if there's fear that is crippling, is there fear that is good? And, and in Proverbs 9.10, so if you've got your Bibles open, Follow me here. Go to Psalms. If you take your Bible and you kind of open it up to the middle, you'll find yourself in Psalms. And then move forward to Proverbs. In Proverbs chapter 9 and verse 10, it says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. Okay, wait a minute, Scott. How is fear now good? Because this isn't fear that cripples us. This is an awe of God. This is this understanding of God. He is who he said he is. I am a fallen sinner. I am somebody who does not deserve God's grace, but God in his majesty and his might and his glory has saved my soul by the power of the Holy Spirit and through the work of Jesus Christ upon the cross for my sins. And I am in awe of God and I have this healthy fear of God, and that fear propels me to be obedient to God's calling in my life. So what does it look like for us to have good fear in regards to the Holy Spirit? Now I'm gonna tell you up front right now, 
this is the portion of the sermon that I'm going to leave you with more questions than answers. But guess what? We've got a few more weeks to cover this and study this. So hopefully we'll begin answering some of these questions. So if we're looking at what does it look like to have good fear? What does it look like to be in awe of the Holy Spirit? In awe of the very fact that we can be indwelt by the very presence of God. What does that look like? Great question. I'm so glad you asked. One of the things that we need to understand when we're looking in the scriptures, what does it mean to be obedient to God? Well, you look to the commands of scripture. And there are four commands regarding the Holy Spirit in scripture. Four. Four very specific commands. Two of them are negative. Two of them are positive. Let's get the negative out of the way first, okay? Ephesians 4.30 speaks about And I'm not going to read these passages, so you don't want to write them down. Go home and read these passages yourselves. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit. We are commanded to not grieve the Holy Spirit. Now, when we're looking at these negative commands regarding the Holy Spirit, I want you to understand something very important. You are not God. I am not God. That the Holy Spirit can work in our lives in spite of us. That there may be times that we are acting in disobedience, we are grieving the Holy Spirit in our lives, but the Holy Spirit still accomplishes his work in and through us. So that debunks this whole understanding that, guess I'm doing something right? No, not always. Sometimes we're in sin, but the Holy Spirit is working through us in spite of us. But we are called not to grieve the Holy Spirit. We're called not to quench the Holy Spirit. And when I think about quenching the Holy Spirit, it reminds me of of this disciple of, of Paul's called Timothy. And Timothy had a special relationship with Paul. Paul calls Timothy his spiritual son. And Paul writes this book to Timothy, and at the opening of this book, he he reminds Timothy of the the elders laying their hands on Timothy and that the Spirit coming upon him and and these gifts that were given to him and that he is to go out and to use these gifts for the good of the church body. Now, a way in which Timothy could have quenched the Holy Spirit at that moment is to not use the gifts that God had given him for the good of the church body. I want to give you a, I think, a, what's a good picture and a good analogy here. Football season's right around the corner, praise God. Okay. And, and I'm sorry of all the sports. Right? Glenn's a soccer fan. It's the NBA season right now. You know, of all the sports, I think that football has the greatest analogy here. Now, give me a little liberality here, a little, little looseness here as we look at this. You got all these different positions on the football field. And if you've ever played the game or if you ever studied the game, each position is absolutely necessary and has a role in scoring the touchdown. I like football because to me, it's like it's not about one guy. If the quarterback's really good, but the offensive line stinks, he's a dead man, right? You know, you got, and, and if you've got a really good offense, but a lousy defense, you could still lose most of your games and never make it to the Super Bowl. It takes 22 in the NFL, 22 different guys to be good, to work together, to accomplish a goal. Well, the Holy Spirit indwells each person in the church. Those that have believed in Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit indwells you. 
and he is teaching you and he is training in you, who is gifting you, right? But a really great quarterback without a team is a nobody. He's worthless, right? Oh, he can throw the ball 100 yards on target on time. He's awesome. But he's not on a team, so, you know? Or you got a really good running back. Or you got a really good offensive tackle. Huge, like can knock people over, but not on, okay? And God's gifting all these different people, right? And then he brings them together so that they can win together. Brothers and sisters, that's the church. God has gifted each and every one of you. If you have the Holy Spirit indwelling you, you have been gifted by God. But off by yourself? Guess what? That's not what God intended for you. God intended that you take those gifts that he has given you to bring them inside the church and the church gathers together and one's a running back and one's a guard and one's a center and one's a halfback and one's a tailback and one's a, you know, a wide receiver. You all these wonderful positions. Not to mention defense. Sorry, Elijah, I'm leaving out the defense. You know, defensive end, right? Defensive tackle. We got all these wonderful positions. Like when they work together, they win football games. Brothers and sisters, when the church comes together, like last Sunday, Pastor's gone, music elder's gone, the secretary's gone. Guess what? It don't matter. The church keeps going on. Why? Because people are taking their giftings and they're bringing them in and they're using them for God's glory and for the good of the church body. Isn't that cool? So we're not to grieve the Holy Spirit. We're not to quench the Holy Spirit. We're to take those gifts and those abilities and they're using them for God's glory and for the good of the church family. And so let me tell you right now, if you are not part of a church family, and I'm going out on a limb here, I'm not, if you're not part of a church family and if you're out there on your own, you are grieving and you're quenching the Holy Spirit. God saved you, not for you and of yourself, but so that you might become part of his family and glorify God with his family. And it's beautiful. And it's wonderful. Well, the next two things that we're talked about here is, is we're told to walk in the Spirit. This is the positive command. This is go walk in the Spirit, Galatians 5.16. This idea that we're, we're going to take those gifts and we're supposed to put them to use. This word walk comes from the peripatel. It means to walk around, to, to instill into our lives, that they become very literally as we are walking and talking throughout our day, that we use those gifts in all that we say and all that we do in all of life. Those gifts that the Holy Spirit gave to us are being poured out through us for the glory of God and the good of the church family and the good of the individual. The other one is to, we're called to be filled with the Spirit. To be filled with the Spirit. We here at Livingstone, we talk about one baptism, right? We believe that when you trust in Jesus Christ, you are baptized by the Holy Spirit. At that moment, when we believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. But we believe in multiple feelings in our lives as we travel and as we walk with God. We're to be filled with the Spirit. We're to be led by the Spirit. 
we had this great, great analogy this week and um, a keynote speaker at Christie's conference, and I'm trying to get the video for that, and I'd love to post it on our Facebook or even on our website for you to take a look at and listen to. I don't believe the guy's a Christian, okay? And maybe you've heard of him. You ever heard about the blind guy that climbed Mount Interburst? Any of you hear of him? Okay. Well, this is his best friend. He's a PA, physician assistant, and he was on this, um, that's not an amazing race, it's the other one, ex- expedition or something. Uh, and, and so they were, did this race together. And the team consisted of, you know, an ex, or army ranger, this, this best friend who's a PA, and, and this blind individual. And they've got this great shot during this amazing race. And the PA and the, the blind man are coming to the edge of the rock. And they have to jump 30 feet into a moving river and swim across to the other side to continue the race. Now, I don't like swimming, okay? So jumping into a moving river with my sight perfectly good isn't happening. But it was so beautiful to watch as this blind man creeps to the edge and his friend is just telling him, you got five feet, three feet, two feet, one feet, you're right there. We're going to stand, and we're going to jump on the count of three. And the blind guy never once said to him, whoa, wait a minute, wait a minute, hold on. What are you doing here? He just stood up and jumped. I mean, I got chills when I watched that guy jump in the water. When the Holy Spirit is leading and guiding our lives, it looks a lot like that. We can't see everything in the spiritual realm and understanding what's coming ahead. And the Holy Spirit has our best interest, God's best interest for us. And he leads us to these points and he says to us, jump. He says to us, go right here. He says to us, go left here. He says to us, pursue this. And it may not make a lot of sense for a blind person to be jumping into a river and swimming across the other, to me doesn't make a lot of sense. Right? Go climb Mount Everest blind. Are you kidding me? There may be some benefit there. You don't see how far death looks to your right and left. I don't know. But we think that we've got it all figured out in our spiritual lives. We think we know more than God. We, we think, oh God, I, I know what's coming. I know what's best for me. I know what's best for my family. And instead of listening to Holy Spirit, he's like, go right here, go left here, jump here. We're like, hold on, I got this. And we keep putting not only our own lives at risk, our spiritual lives at risk, but the lives of others that we love that love us around us. God can lead us like that. I don't know if if we've ever stopped to really believe that. That we're so fixated on the physical realm that we don't believe God can lead us. And that God can speak to us. And that God can literally direct our steps. You know, we just purchased land. We closed on the land. We own land now. Um, We're landowners again, right? And, And we look to build someday, but you know what? I don't want to build a building if that's not what God wants for us. 
If someday we end up selling that land because the Holy Spirit started to speak into us, hey, you know what? I had you do that. I had you buy that land so that it would be here for a time and then and maybe accrue interest or whatever. And then, but now it's time to sell it and I got a different plan from you. Brothers and sisters, I believe God can lead us like that. Do I still want you to give to the Encounter Jesus campaign? Please, yes, keep giving. You know, and our plan is still to pursue where we think God is leading us. And hopefully we're listening attentively to building a building out there someday. Do we truly believe the Spirit can lead and direct our steps? This morning, I would like us to do an honest inventory about our current relationship with our God, specifically the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives. got three questions for you and I'd like you for you to write them down if you can if not they'll be on the website later on when we get these posted the first question is what are my fears about studying the Holy Spirit are you one of those that are maybe afraid that other of what other Christians might think or being wrong or maybe you're afraid of that nothing might happen Maybe you're fearful of your reputation or maybe you're fearful that if you start studying and asking God to be filled by the Spirit and led by the Spirit, you might be asked to do something that you don't want to do. What are your fears? Next, I want to ask you this question and, and, and just kind of write this down and spend some time. What are my convictions about the Holy Spirit? What do I believe? What do I know about the Holy Spirit? I would love for you to sit down and say, well, this is what I think I know, and begin to write this out so that as we go through this series, you, you, you look at what Scripture has to say, compare it to what you, what you think you believe and know, and you're like, sweet, yes, <sighs> I was right there. That's fantastic. Thank you, God, for leading me in understanding there. Or we're going, oops, I, I was wrong there. And Lord, I, I confess that I, I didn't know, and I, and I want to know and I want to be humble in my belief in you and my understanding of you and be led by you. And finally, thirdly, am I truly opening to studying the Bible to understand the Holy Spirit? Don't be like me, way back there in Bible school, so angry. And so upset that I almost missed out on that wonderful moment when my friend was loving me and teaching me about God. Because I knew what I knew and there was no change in my mind. We've all met individuals in our lives like that. I would ask that as Christians that we be very humble in our understanding and learning of the scriptures. Please join with me in prayer. Father God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for your word that so beautifully teaches us that God delights to give us good gifts. And then the Holy Spirit, we have been given the gift that we need exactly right now. 
The Father delighted to give us creation. The Father delighted to give us families. The Father delighted to give us his son. To redeem creation, to redeem our families. And God delights to give us the Holy Spirit. So that we might know him, know him intimately and deeply in a way that transforms and changes every area and aspect of our lives. We, Lord God, confess that we have been resistant to the leading of the Spirit in our lives. And Lord God, we pray that as we go through this series that we would become more aware of the presence of the Spirit. We become more aware of leading and guiding our hearts as convicting more aware of what he's teaching us about Jesus. More aware of the fact that we are strangers in a strange land, but empowered by the presence of God. Thank you so much, Father, for the gifts that you have given to us. May we not fear them, but embrace them as your children knowing that you are the good Father. In Jesus' most holy and wonderful name we pray, and by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you, Scott. So the life group that, that Amy and I are in, um, we've been following along with uh, the Sunday message series. And this last Friday night, um, we were looking at John 14 and... We uh, went on into the first part of John 15, where Jesus describes the Father as the vine dresser, the gardener. Jesus is the vine, and we believers as the branch. And a branch can only have life if it's connected, if it's grafted in to the vine. But what gives that vine or that branch life is the flow from the vine, the life flow from the vine into the branch. And in that, the branch then produces fruit. And uh, it was a, just an incredible time of discussion and conversation. And I encourage you, if you're not in a uh, life group, to, to seriously look into it because it really gives us that time to explore and discuss and talk about the Word of God together. And um, in that, and, and in, along with what Scott was just sharing, fear, I'm fearful right now. I am not a group speaker, and yet I want to be served by God. I want to serve God with my life. And the only way I can do this is through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And it's those steps that he takes us through in our daily life. It's... He's not asking us to move to Africa and become missionaries yet, but he's taking us step by step, encouraging us, encouraging me along the way to continue to let go of my fears and be used and filled with more of him. So just as we enter into this time of communion, um, I just encourage us to look for ways 
that God is wanting to speak and pour in him, his Holy Spirit into our life.